Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The House That Hinky Built. I am your host, Jackson Frank, and per usual, I'm hosting this on Spotify Greenroom. We are here. The 2021 NBA Draft has arrived. Uh, this is going to be our final pre-draft episode, breaking down four more prospects with Anish Nambury of Pro Insight. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Josh Christopher, Josh Primo, Ayo Desumu, and Rokas Chokobaitis, uh, four more guys the Sixers might be able to target the 28th or 50th pick. Although I do want to continue to stress that I think they will end up trading that 28th pick for some sort of, you know, ready-made contributor off the bench uh, between now and the draft. So um, excited to talk with Anish. Uh, does a ton of really great work. And so we'll get into that. Um, and as always, wherever you listen to these podcasts, please uh, review and subscribe. Uh, it's been really enjoyable to see the support. Um, we've got a lot more stuff coming. We'll transition into free agency soon. Um, but yeah, we're going to kick this off with one more pre-draft episode. Um if you're, hopefully you're listening to this beforehand, but if the Sixers draft one of these guys, feel free to also, uh, you know, listen to this podcast back and see uh, see how they might fit. Um, so Nish is here, and I'm excited to uh, talk some draft with him. He's going to provide some really awesome insights, I think. Hey, Nish, how are hey, you doing today? Pretty good, Jackson. How are you doing? Uh, first of all, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm doing well, too. I Before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of this, I'm curious, what – what is like as someone who does draft prep year round and whatnot? What is this day like for you? Like, is the last week a little more subdued where you finalized your board and kind of your tiers, or do you like what's what's this day like for you in terms of just the experience and as someone who does so much work about these prospects for the past you know eight months, nine months? Yeah, um, for me, I I would say today is just more just relaxing and kind of taking it all in. My, yeah, my big board's pretty much been finalized for the last week or so um so just you know a little tinkering here and there if i ever feel like it think about it see something that makes me um makes me uh think about it in a different way but yeah it's mostly just uh just kind of you know enjoying the kind of more enjoying the uh the process and all the excitement out of it because you know it is a very entertaining uh day for nba fans yeah, absolutely. And I, like, I, did, I haven't done anywhere close as much draft work as I did last year for the 2019 class, but I remember just really enjoying this day because so much of a prospect's success or struggles are determined by fit. And it's like you can project, you can do all this projecting and look at the stats and watch all these games, but it just so is tied to who drafts them and how they approach it. And so it's like you get to this day and you see people get drafted and you're like, okay, I, I have more clarity, confidence, or less confidence in my kind of my projection of a guy. Uh, and so it's just kind of nice to to see that that yeah another another part of the puzzle's answered even if it's by no means you know solidified it's nice to have that um, in tow but but uh, let's let's get into it. we're going to talk about Josh Christopher Josh Primo Ayudasumu and Rokas Jokobitis today uh, let's kick it off with Josh Christopher pretty interesting prospect um, just give us kind of the rundown of his game and why you think he might be an interesting fit for the Sixers at the at that twenty eighth pick yeah so he's like a uh... Scoring-based uh, creator. Um, he's got really good athletic tools, uh, some really some really high-level athletic tools, and uh, yeah, the hope is that he's he's basically like the, to put it in like really non-educational terms, he's a bucket. Um, he can make <laughs> he can make tough shots at a at a very high level, um, even if they're not really efficient right now. And the hope is that um, he can kind of develop his ancillary skills and uh, become more of a well-rounded player and the Sixers can kind of rely on him as like a, a potential half court create a uh, creation option down the road late in games. Yeah. And I, I mean, I mean, I, I think just say he can get buckets or he's a bucket. Like, I mean, honestly, the Sixers need more of that. Like it's, it's just the case. Like they, their defense was still very good against the Hawks in the second round, but they, they couldn't get up. They couldn't buy a bucket really, you know, 
Uh, Joel did his thing for the most part, struggled in some fourth quarters, but Tobias struggled, obviously, Ben Simmons. We've talked about that. They just needed more guys who can put the ball in the bucket on their own without being, re- you know, without relying on a double team coming Joel's way and him passing out of it. So uh, I think in that sense, probably it's, it's clear why a guy like, you know, Josh Christopher or Jacob, as he's known, um, might, you know, might make sense for them at, at that spot. So, um, what, you know, you mentioned kind of the tough shot making. Um, how do you feel about his, you know, his ability to, to create advantage, you know, turn the corner on guys or, you know, draw multiple bodies and, you know, either capitalize for himself or capitalize for others. I think that's one thing the Sixers really do need. And again, it's tough to expect them to get some high level guy at 28 in that regard, you know, especially someone who creates on his own shot. But what, what are the way, like, how do you just feel about Josh Kripsker's ability to create advantages or, you know, at least make things easier for guys around him and, and capitalize on that? Yeah, so totally. I think when it comes to advantage creation, you first have to know uh, what is their primary strength? Like what are defenses going to really try mm-hmm. to stop or what's his best strength? And I, I think for me, it's his um, it's his ability to get to the rim. He's a very powerful frame. He's uh, he's about 6'5", I want to say two. 215 and he is he's very strong especially in the lower body and mm-hmm. uh and he has a, he has uh shown flashes of like really advanced handle so i think he has the ability to get down get downhill and use that powerful frame to finish at the rim um and then the the, the hope is that oh the as a counter you, he has that he has that pull-up game in the in the mid-range to him and i, I think a, a big reason why I said he was inefficient is because uh, even not only at Arizona State, but even in high school, you could kind of see him force the issue. Um, he kind of seemed, I, I don't want to, you know, speculate into what was going on to his his head exactly, but to the uh, to the outside eye, it kind of seemed like he had kind of predetermined moves and had like maybe a, a few um, go-to, uh, go-to setups that he wanted to get to and was kind of going to get there no matter what. And he can, he can get to different stuff, um, but if a defense knows what you're going to do and already there, you're going to do it anyways. It's going to limit your effectiveness. And so I think uh, a lot of it, and maybe it's, maybe it's getting into a system where there's so many offensive options like the Sixers have, like uh, obviously I'm, I'm, we're not saying they're the world-class offense, but when you have Joel Embiid, you have Tobias Harris, you have other, other options like that. Like it's going to be a lot easier and uh, more direct and you're working off of those people. It's going to be a lot easier and uh, yeah, a lot easier to, um, Excuse me, sorry. I was about to. I was about to cough. Um, <laughs> no worries, I've been there. Uh, yeah, to kind of, to, to it, it makes the it makes the game a little bit easier. Is what I'm trying to say. Like rather than oh, everyone's trying to key on key in on me. Uh, whereas oh, I'm the fourth option, the fifth option. It's a, it's a little bit easier. So if he can rework the framing and also the the, the wire the wiring and the mental uh, the mental aspect of that, I think uh, that could be really valuable. Yeah, and just to you know, give some some definitive you know measurements for you mentioned the use. Yeah, the combine you mentioned six three two five or six three and a quarter, and without shoes six four and a half inch shoes. Two fourteen point eight pounds, two hundred fifty pounds. I word that really weirdly. See, we all make mistakes. It's fine. Um, six nine six nine and a quarter in wingspan. So obviously, it's a pretty plus length there. Uh, and I do want to mention, like throughout this, if there's any, I know that you've done a lot of work on this draft, this class with Pro Insight. There's any like guys that we're talking about now that you want to plug articles for for people to read? By all means, do that. Um, I will note right now, uh, I did a let's watch film with with PD Webb. So if people want to know, know more about Josh Christopher, focused on him there. Um, I don't want to make this all about me, but um, if you want an even more in depth version of, of the Christopher scouting report, you can look at that. And one of the things we talked about there is kind of is that predetermination with some of his stuff that he. He likes to kind of dictate the action, um, dictate like how on possessions fold or his touches unfold. 
How do you feel about his ability to maybe be a little more quick hitting and decisive in a, in a smaller role? Because you mentioned there's benefits to being there's benefits to being drafted lower because you probably go to a team with greater infrastructure, which the Sixers have with a very a very very good player in Joel Embiid and another secondary scorer in Tobias Harris and then Seth Curry and whatnot. Um, obviously, you know Ben Simmons still in the fold, and regardless of whether he's there or not, they're going to have high level players you know, beyond just the, those three mentioned. So, what do you kind of make of that kind of development of, of how he can maybe? slide into a smaller role, but still, you know, use that strength and that downhill ability without necessarily being such a methodical decision maker and kind of letting things happen as he wishes rather than maybe, you know, making things happen as a, as a possession determines rather than, you know, on, on his own accord. Yeah. So I, I think in theory, it's all there because uh, like I said, the, if he makes improvements to the shot, like for example, he's, if um, he comes, he's attacking off a closeout. The, the hope is that, uh, he's generating enough of a closeout where defenses are going at him, and he can use that to uh, to get downhill. And he has, and like I mentioned, he has that downhill gravity where he can get all the way to the rim and explode and finish uh, finish with his, uh, and use his strength well. Or even if maybe if they're selling out at the rim, he can stop and hit that pull up uh, that that midi pull up. Um, but in my opinion, it's all wiring, and that's something that um, the Philadelphia 76ers front office and uh, draft scouts and any other NBA team is going to have to figure out. It's uh, what's the how likely does he seem to um, to be able to to make that leap? Because even I, I'm not going to act like Arizona State was a great context, but they had a, a a ton of other ball handlers. And the in theory, you could say, oh, they have a ton of ton of other ball handlers. You could, uh, how did he work off of those guys attacking off advantage? But the issue was he didn't really attack off advantage as much. It was a lot of iso ball. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's more on the uh, front offices to figure out what's the likelihood of that and i i can't really get into that um I, i'm not gonna act like i i know too much but i even if i did i can't i couldn't get into it um mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of the that's kind of the determination that philadelphia's front office is gonna have to make and just you know off of public interviews he seems like a very um will uh willing to a kid who's really willing to uh learn and improve and all that kind of stuff so at least from the outside in that's it's all i can give um it's it seems um he seems like a very hard worker and willing to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, I think, you know, you mentioned the strength. Like, he is a very, very strong guy for a 19 or 20-year-old. Um, just a really, really nice frame in terms of, you know, w- with physical tools to work with. Um, but as you mentioned, you go to the synergy page, and it's like, you know, 74% of his shots were jumpers. He only got to the rim for about 16% of his shots. Like, like he has some issues in terms, like, from what I've seen about maybe some handling issues going north south and you know and whatnot but like you should be like at his frame and whatnot he should be able to get to the rim more than 60 percent of the time and i think some of that speaks to his his preference to you know, dictate the action as he sees fit rather than maybe what the what the possession allows for uh and some of that again i mean arizona state's offense you know there were a lot of ball handlers but there was not a lot of passing there was not necessarily a lot of creative scheming um and whatnot but uh i'm curious what do you, you know what do you make about the development of, of his jumper um, you know, shot about 30% from three. Um, I did notice, you know, when I did my stream with PD, PD made a note. I, I shouldn't say I noticed, PD noticed because he notices everything. Um, that, you know, he has kind of removed that pretty severe thumbing he had with his jumper. And when I say thumbing, obviously, you know what it means in each, but for anyone listening, it's like he had his offhand, uh, you know, he had a lot of thumb interference with that offhand where it would really kind of work against maybe what, his hand, his guy, his main hand was doing. Um, I thought he, I saw some clips between kind of his time at ASU and his time at 
in the at the combine uh, where it seemed like he kind of rectified some of that. But anyhow, what do you make of the ju- his development with his jumper? Because obviously the the raw numbers at ASU from three aren't great, but it's a small sample. We know that um, there's a long history of raw college numbers in a one year sample not always being indicative of a player's ability shooting wise. Yeah, so I'd say um, outside of the thumb English, I, I do agree. He did seem to get more consistent uh, with removing that as the year went on and uh, going. In. I'm, I'm not going to take too much stock in the draft workouts and combine and all that kind of stuff, but it seemed like it was it was mostly gone uh, at the end of that in the in that pre-draft evaluation. Excuse me, uh, but I'd say the other big thing is uh, a big like a big thing was in high school and even at ASU, he would uh, bring the ball up from his uh, left hip and then kind of mm-hmm. slingshot it to the right, similar to Lonzo Ball. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like a, that caused him to kind of have like a preference to uh, certain types of shots and certain, uh, in basically in certain ways that in which he could uh, get j- jumpers. And he seems to, again, uh, this is just, this is just a pre-draft sample. So you can't put too much stock into it, but it seems like he's cleaned that up a bit. And that could, that could really help because he did shoot. I want to say, Apologies for don't having uh, for not having the stats on. Uh, I, I want to say eighty percent of his free throws. Um, I, see, I should have, I have it up right here. Uh, yeah, eighty percent on the dot. In, yeah, in so years. and you, you you've seen touch from like the tough shot making, and he has a tiny bit of in between game and uh, all that. So it's just about cleaning cleaning up the mechanics um, a little bit, and that should get him more consistent. And he already seems to have made uh, improvements within the the pre draft cycle. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it's, I think there's always levels to, you know, shooting development, but I think the, the, the starting point for, for Josh Christopher to reach a, a viable point as a spot up guy who can you know, use his, use his physical tools to attack closeouts, I think is, it's pretty encouraging. Obviously, I mean, yes, it'd be better if he shot 37% and didn't have to improve his mechanics you know, like this, but um, I think you should feel confident with the right development staff um, that you can get to a point where he's, he's a viable spot up guy and maybe some stuff, off through, but more from mid-range, I think if he's going to be a pull-up guy at all, I think it would be more from that mid-range area where he's comfortable. But um, I tend to agree too that you know he made some strides, and uh, there's enough there that you have a baseline of a baseline of competency with some indicators and whatnot that should leave you fairly confident. Um, but to the other side of the floor, unless you have anything to add about the offense, what do you view as his optimal defensive role? How can you mitigate? What are some of his weaknesses, and what are some of his strengths that should be amplified in the proper defensive role? Um, so I'd say. The, the biggest tools he has with him is his strength. Um, like I said, he's mm-hmm. um, and his strength and his length. He's got a very powerful lower body and he's got a good wingspan. Um, and he had, I, I would say he also has quick hands. Um, and so it, it, it's a lot of good tools. And mm-hmm. But the issue is that he's not very disciplined and he has a little bit of trouble in terms of lateral quickness. Um, it, he's most likely going to be a two guard and I could see a good amount of uh, opposing two cards being able to take him off the dribble. And he's not the most flexible guy uh, in terms of his hips and, and stuff. So it, it's tough to see him being like, like that point of attack defender who has the, the strength and whatever to get over screens and not get bumped off his spots. But I, I think he could, he could be at risk of uh, getting blown by um, at the point of attack. So I think the best idea is to just put him in uh, off ball situations and, uh, Oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, I also, I went up a little too far ahead of myself. Um, it's also, he was, he's pretty undisciplined. Um, he had some good flashes, but overall um, he's still kind of learning the positioning and the technique and all that kind of stuff in terms of both on and off ball defense. So I think to start out, he'd be mostly guarding uh, 
off ball shooters and kind of, kind of just staying in the corner and being that, uh, and just trying to make, just make his, uh, make his job simple. And then as, as he kind of grows a little bit, learns the technique and everything, I think then you could get him into actions where he's maybe guarding up the position a little bit because of his strength and everything. And you could, you could kind of have him be maybe a, a three or maybe even a small ball four. I don't want to say a small ball four, but kind of that type of guy who can guard up the position and uh, use that strength and length to contest shots against bigger players while still being able to have other guys who are defending more the the speedier guys or the point of attack guys. Yeah, I love the point made about his hands just from you know the brief games I've seen and even just in the one game that PD and I watched for his film second, his hands really stand out. Just really, really quick hands. Um, but yeah, I like him for me, and obviously you can feel free to agree, disagree with it, but I like him in a role where he's he's on a he's on a guy who's primarily off the ball but can maybe is maybe tasked at times with putting the ball on the floor and, and he can really use his strength to overwhelm those less those lesser you know, ancillary creators. I just think with his length, as you mentioned too, uh, I really like that because again, like I can't over, like he just is super, super strong on both sides of the ball, especially for a age. I think it's a really, really nice tool and it's functional too. Um, you know, everything with our prospect is about either, you know, they have a functional skill or how can we make it functional? I think his strength is very much useful on both ends there. And so that's what I like about him. And so I definitely agree uh, about kind of an off ball role where he can use his hands and, and whatnot. But yeah, there definitely are some nuances that he'll have to, um, have to, to learn um, in terms of kind of really being a, a viable defender and having that, that strength be a key piece of, of a positive, positively impactful defender there. Yeah, totally. Can I real quick uh, interrupt yeah, you guys? Absolutely. And, yeah, interrupt you and go back a little bit. So basically, like uh, my not very short conclusion is, uh, or summary of his defense is like, you don't want him defending quick guards point of attack um, because he doesn't, I don't think he has a lateral quickness to, um, to keep up with those guys. Uh, and you don't want him like you be, and you don't want him chasing off ball shooters. Cause he doesn't have the hip like, uh, or movement shooters. Cause he doesn't have the, the hip flexibility to really, to really move with them. So you kind of want him on like a more stationary guy who has some mm-hmm. uh, on ball usage and kind of use his physical tools as kind of like a hindrance and, and hope he can, he can gain enough positioning and technique and, uh, learn learn that kind of stuff where he can hold his own maybe not against a a primary uh wing score but maybe like a secondary guy a secondary or tertiary guy yeah absolutely you know i think that it's really important because most just like most players whether they're prospects or they're they're free agents or they're just players in the nba aren't really capable of playing um you know, on the ball, like against high level perimeter, perimeter guys, um, you know, I, I should say perimeter, they are not capable of being like kind of the one, a perimeter defenders. It's really hard to be that. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree there, but maybe a little more stationary than the, the navigating screens and whatnot, you know, trying to have to chase in the Duncan Robinsons and JJ Reddicks would not be the ideal role for him from what I've seen. And I'm, so I'm glad that that's reinforced by your, uh, much, much more, uh, valuable insight than I can offer about this guy. Um, but anything else you want to add about his defense before maybe wrap up with his swing skills that you think could determine, you know, the high end versus the low end outcomes uh, of his game in the NBA? Uh, no, not really. Just because he's still he's still so young and uh, in high school especially was given so much on ball usage that he was kind of just uh, hidden and could use his physical tools to kind of to kind of work his way, like kind of make his uh, make himself passable on defense. And that's obviously not going to be the case in the NBA due to the high, the higher level of skill and athleticism and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you view as kind of maybe a couple of the swing skills that could be the determining factor between a high-end and a low-end outcome being being attained at the next level? Uh, I think it'll be it'll definitely be what to what level of a shooter, especially both spot-up and pull-up, um, he can get to. Uh, because that'll influence the amount of, in ball screens, um, how how high uh, teams will get up on to on him and then depending on how how high that can get it will either make it easier make it harder for him to get to the rim um or get to the get to the spots he wants because he also likes the mid-range obviously and then in terms of catch and shoot off attack off a closeout similar if you if they close out against him hard uh, it's easier for him to get downhill and, and work off that and if it's more of a soft closeout he's re- uh, it, it's tougher for him to make the um it, and if they close out him Close, excuse me. If they close out on him soft, that's probably because he's shooting a lower percentage on those catch and shoots, and that's going to make it a little bit less uh, effective for the entire team's offense and his and his production specifically. And then also, um, playmaking I think is the big one. Um, he hasn't really shown a propensity to find others. It's been flash plays, plays here and there, but he's very very uh, wired into getting his own shot right now, and that's. Um, He's going to need to be able to find guys on a not not primary or even really secondary level, but maybe just fi- just move the ball around, like hit the easy reads, and maybe when you're attacking up closeouts and the help comes, hit the corner uh, if the, if it's coming from weak side or coming off the pick and roll, find finding the roller consistently and being able to manipulate the ball around different defenders to find him or or hit shooters on on a very basic level. I think that's important for him because then because then if not, defenses can just uh, put two, three guys on him, whatever, no one's going to put two, three guys on him. But you know what I'm saying? They can really help mm-hmm. off help off opposing teammates, and he won't be able to capitalize off that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, tend, I think I you know, tend to agree. And I, I feel like a lot of these prospects that we've discussed, uh, I've discussed during you know, this pre-draft uh, series, I don't have a great read on, but when you spend an hour and a half talking about a guy with PD, you tend to you tend to come away uh, – knowing a little more about a guy. So I, you know, based off everything I know about Josh Christopher, I definitely feel that those are very uh, insightful swing skills for him. But let's, let's shift gears to another Josh. Uh, we're about Josh Primo, a little bit different player, very much a different player. Uh, fresh, sophomore freshman from Alabama. I feel like I should know this. Um, freshman. But, uh, yeah, freshman from Alabama, um, 6'6 wing, good shooter. Um, but beyond that, kind of give, give the rundown on, you know, what intrigues you about him as a prospect and, and why uh, and why you think he might be a worthwhile uh, fit for the Sixers at 28th overall? So I think um, he's he would fit the kind of uh, our good friend uh, PD Webb. His uh, idea of like a pre-draft uh, primo is that type of guy. Basically, he's a very young he's a very young prospect, has really good physical tools, and played well in a limited role in Alabama um, as kind of like a off-ball player, spot-up shooter with a tiny bit of. Uh, uh, what do you call opportunistic, opportunistic scoring uh, mm-hmm. upside is what he showed at Alabama. And the hope is that he would grow and blossom and really uh, his draft stock would really boost, but getting him this year, would you'd be able to get that, get, get that a year early and kind of that's, that's something more targetable since the Sixers are most likely not going to be uh, higher than this range next year. Yeah. And I, just to give some numbers, to back up the numbers, you know, 50% on twos, 38% from three, as you mentioned, a small role, average about eight points a game on a, on a very good Alabama team. It should be noted, Alabama had quite a few guys that could run offense through. Um, and Primo, you know, was was one of them that could be you know, the end result of possession, especially with that shooting. Um, I, I'm curious, though, like to to what degree do you think of a shooter he can be? Like how how can you deploy him? What are the best ways? And then, you know, similar to that, 
Um, something that I always think is important for a lot of these off these primarily off ball players on the Sixers is kind of their viability as a DHO partner with Joel Embiid, even Ben Simmons if he's still in the fold. Inverted pick and rolls, they like to run some of those with Joel. Um, so it's kind of a lot there. But what do you kind of view of his as the the scope of his deployment offensively between the shooting and maybe being a a partner and a screener for for Joel and Ben Simmons in certain actions? Yeah, so I'm going to work a little bit backwards. So first, I don't think he's going to be great uh, right now in inverted p- uh, pick and rolls and stuff like that uh, with Embiid specifically, uh, just because he's so he's so young and so skinny and so physically uh, not mature yet that it's going to be hard for him to make like real contact and all that kind of stuff. But I think um, I think he can eventually get there because he is six six with I want to say six nine wingspan. Um, he's only like 185, 190 pounds right now. So just, uh, it's going to, it's tough for those type of, like, I know JJ Redick did it, but he's, he, you know, he's 12, 13 year vet when he was doing it. Seth Curry, he's eight, nine years in the NBA. There's like, even if the weight isn't there, they, they're more used to the game physically and they understand like what, what gets people advantages. And I don't think Primo is there yet, but as like a DHO guy, maybe he's got a little bit of handle. I'm not going to say he has a good handle, but you know, he's a wing. He can dribble a little bit. So, um, he could work that, but I think that's, it's all a little bit early. Um, and then getting back to what's the best way to use him as a shooter. I think he's, uh, he's, he was very good this year on spot ups. Uh, let me pull up his synergy numbers while I'm, uh, real quick. I was on, I had it on Christopher's. He, uh, he shot a, he had a very high three point attempt rate. So like, uh, his three point rate was 0.579 and that was nine three-point attempts for a hundred possessions so that like it shows that a number of his shots came from threes and most of those were spot up and so just I think he he could have real effectiveness and the mechanics are clean um he he's very prepped and and get has a pretty fairly quick release so I have no problems of his of that shot of that specific shot translating and also I think he relocates well for some of of his age he was I'm pretty sure he was he was told by the coaching staff that hey you're not going to get much on ball usage so this is what you're going to need to do to in order to get points and get and help the team succeed so I think he's really good as a relocator and a spot up guy not sure about movement he didn't really have much usage on that um sorry pulling up his numbers now uh, no, yeah, uh 80 so 93 percent on spot ups 83 percent on no dribble jumpers because uh, spot ups do. I'm sure you know this, but for anyone curious, curious spot ups also include dr- the drive off of a spot up uh, attempt. So 83 percentile on spot ups, 28 of 65 um, adjusted field goal percentage, 64.6 percent. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, there's not a huge baseline of off movement shooting. He had one possession off of screens this year, uh, went 0 of one. But uh, but yeah, uh, sorry to cut you off there. But I, I had I had it pulled up while you were talking, so I figured. Oh well, yeah, really no, that's it, but, my bad. I was I was kind of rambling. No, you're, I was kind of rambling. You're good. No, you're totally no, you're totally good. Um, but right. yeah, continue continue about Primo and kind of his offensive usage that you see uh, available to him. Yeah, so just uh, kind of, I think he has that, like this, especially if they do keep uh, Simmons, they're going to need shooting at a at a very very uh, important level, and he seems to be able to do that. Um, I don't. This is a little bit of an aside, but I, I think I don't think he's going to get NBA minutes day one, but let's mm-hmm. say he did. He, I feel fairly confident that he can shoot. Like, for example, catch and shoot, he was 92nd percentile overall, 84th percentile guarded, 86th percentile unguarded. So it's, he's able to hit shots both open and covered. Um, and then working off of that, I think he showed a little bit of ability to create for himself. Um, he didn't have a great handle, and I don't think he has great burst right now. Um, but the hope is that as he grows into his body, maybe he can improve the burst a little bit and kind of 
work on those one to two dribble moves and uh, kind of work to the mid range or maybe get to the mid range and kick to a teammate. And, or maybe even if the, if there's no help, get to the rim using his physical tools. Uh, that's kind of, it, it's basically, he's an off ball player and kind of use that to get him some very, very limited self-creation looks. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense for sure. And I do, you do want to mention uh, he is, I believe the youngest player in the, in the draft he doesn't turn 19 until December 24th. So he is, he is basically of the, of the Poku uh, development curve. There. He's a couple of days older than Poku given the draft class. Poku is December 26th. Um, I know that because I was a I was a large and loud, uh, not large, a loud prognosticator of focus. So I remember that the birthday. But anyway, very young player, um, as you mentioned, that kind of gets back to what PD was talking about as kind of a, a pre-draft guy. You, you maybe you maybe really use a year for him to develop, just get let him devote his entire life to basketball rather than you know splitting time between academics and everything else that comes with being a collegiate athlete. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, um, you know, with with Primo, what what sort of ancillary skills you got to do a little bit about maybe technical, what do you think he can do if he has run off the line or, you know, beyond just the spot up reps? Like how, how do you feel about, how do you feel about that? You know, make, making sure he's not just, or maybe he can't you know, try to prevent him from being just a mainly a spot up guy. And you know, can he make the extra pass? If, if two guys run at him, can he make the pass based off his gravity? What do you just make of the ancillary skills and maybe the development or lack thereof? Yeah. So uh, I'll start with, the positives first i will say that he like like i said he has really good physical tools and he's very underdeveloped because of the age um and physically underdeveloped so and also you know play wise because you know being 18 being barely 18 and playing high level power five sec sc minutes is nothing nothing to to scoff at it's very it's very important and uh, it'll be good for his development but basically um i thought he was good as a passer uh or flash wise i thought he had some um decent finds work, uh, attacking off of closeouts and stuff like that. So I think that's something that the Sixers could explore, uh, whether that be, you know, attacking off closeouts or maybe even working off ball a little uh, on the ball a little bit. Um, but in terms of the ancillary skills, I, I, I have a trouble to, I have trouble like saying what he's good at and what he's not, to be honest. Cause like I keep mentioning, like he is so young and so raw, but his handle didn't seem to be great. I didn't think he was crazy, uh, crazy bursty. So um, it's tough to see him like dribbling into some self-created looks or uh, getting all the way to the rim. Uh, so it, it kind of seems, t- it kind of seems like he's going to have to live on those pull-up jumpers. If it's anything on ball. Um, I, I did see a little bit of cutting. So maybe it, honestly, like for the time being, it's, it's mostly just off ball stuff. Um, but the hope is that the gravity he generates from off ball will help him, uh, will help him. Will help give him some on-ball advantages. If that makes sense. Because yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. It is, it is important. No, you're, no, you're good. Um, it is important too. Like as you mentioned, not just the age, but like Alabama again it was a very talented team. A lot of different options offensively. Um, they play really fast too um, at Alabama, and so it can be sometimes tough to, you know, maybe get a gauge for a smaller usage player into high high octane offense or high tempo offense because like. There, there is value to seeing a guy in transition, but it's it's not often the most you know mo- the most salient way to kind of get a read for a guy's ability as a creator, not creator, but just an offensive player. And so I can, I can again, I haven't seen a ton of premium. I remember watching him somewhat in the tournament and being impressed by some of his athletic tools and just the jumper. But um, I can definitely understand where you're coming from that you just don't know about some of these skills um, because he, because of the, the situation you played. It was a favorable situation, but maybe it wasn't the best for scouting him. 
um, and learning kind of the broad range of skills you might have. Yeah, because it was such a limited role. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I know he can do this or I know he can't because like I'd be I'd be lying to you. I and, and that's part of the intrigue with the primo. To be honest, is like oh he he had such a limited role in Alabama uh, and he succeeded well in it. And he's he's young. He's got some physical tools to him. Let's see if we can we can kind of uh, we can kind of untap that with NBA training, NBA skill development, NBA NBA physical development, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you have anything else to add on the offense, uh, you have opportunities now. But otherwise, let's shift to the optimal defensive role. What do you make of this defense? Where is he good? Where does he need to work? Where does he need to improve? And then kind of just the optimal role um, based off those those things you've seen from him. Yeah, so, again, I thought for – I at least thought for an 18-year-old, he was uh, – he wasn't – he was not bad defensively, like – I'm not going to say he was good, but he was, he seemed to have good positioning, um, slid uh, his feet decently well, was a little, was, uh, had decent screen navigation and, uh, yeah, along with the physical tools, like it didn't seem bad at all. So I I think I'm not going to act like he's going to be ever going to be a primary point of attack defender or like a crazy, uh, a crazy good help defender, but I think he can be decent at, uh, decent at both. Like maybe like your tertiary point of attack guy and, uh, or th- a third option on ball defender and then you know makes has good positioning occasionally will have some some flash plays in terms of defensive playmaking all that kind of stuff but again it's it it is somewhat tough to uh it, it is somewhat tough to pro- uh, project because he is so young and at that age you will have a ton of defensive lapses so it's uh but in in the context of being 18 i thought he was i was uh, j- actually surprisingly impressed Mm-hmm. What did you? How did I mean? Because you know, as you know, I mentioned the offense for Alabama, but Alabama was great at this past year was defense. I think they were the third or fourth or second ranked defense uh, for most of the season. But how did you think he kind of played a role in that? What do you think he you know, What do you think he did well in his in his role and to allow you know Alabama to be a be a very good um, defense? And I know I'm I'm 99 sure it's Alabama that had their great defense. I get, I always get. Arkansas and Alabama mixed up these days because they both have young coaches who came from mid-majors and all of a sudden got good. But Alabama had a very good defense. So what did you make of his his role in that? How did he how did he play into that? Yeah, so like I like I kind of touched on earlier, I thought he was uh, again for his age, he was fine as a as an off-ball t- team defender because I thought he was decent in his positioning, made the rotations in a timely manner, uh, seemed to make rotations in a timely manner more often than not. Um, and then on ball, he has the he's six six with I want to say six nine, just a tad over six nine. I, I want to say uh, wingspan and slid his feet decently well. I'm not gonna act like he's crazy laterally quick, but did did well enough. And then uh, thought he had good screen navigation, and I thought he defended probably twos and threes, especially he def- he probably defended the most well, and that's probably going to be his, his most likely uh, position defense in the NBA. But I thought he was – there were some flashes against ones and even a couple, a couple small ball – I don't know if they're small ball fours. Um, so there's, there's potential for uh, defensive versatility in terms of guarding up and down the lineup. Yeah, and just to give some physical measurements, you know, at the combine, measured 6'5 and shoes, 190 pounds, 6'9 wingspan, so – um, yeah, definitely has to, you know, bulk up a little bit. I mean, you just compare him to Josh Christopher, who's based the same height, has 25 pounds on him, um, same wingspan there, too. So um, definitely some length to work with. Um, length, I think length is a very thing. Very, I mean, 
obviously there's a certain level of know-how you need for defense, but length can be a very key point because sometimes you just can't contest a shot as well. If your wingspan is three inches shorter, your standing reach is, is two inches shorter, things like that. So um, what are your swing skills for Primo? Is there anything else you want to add about what we've talked about? Obviously do so. Yeah. What are the swing skills for you? Yeah, just um, in addition to just, you know, learning, like learning pro development and all the things that come with uh would come with that and not being 18 year old uh, 18 years old in college but I would say it's mostly uh, what can you do outside of your your off ball shooting uh, can you attack the attack a closeout and get all the way to the rim and couldn't and how consistently can you find those other shooters or maybe a cutter or something like that and how can and how consistent can you be an off ball cutter and can you can you ever run uh, how often can you run a pick and roll uh, that those are the kind of things and it's again it the good thing is that there's not many bad habits because um, he because he is so young. Like I keep on uh, keep on harping, but there aren't any habits. So it's just a time. It's a matter of patience and development and kind of fit, parsing through. Okay, kind of giving him a bunch of options or uh, giving him a bunch of reps, whether that be in the G League or or in practice with the with the with the player development coaches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that really makes sense and. Um... Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on with Primo, either in relation to just him as a prospect or with the Sixers? Obviously, do so. Otherwise, are we cool to shift to Iris Sumo? Yeah, yeah, let, uh, yeah. Let's go to Desumo. Awesome. Uh, so, <laughs> a little bit different sort of prospect. One of the best players in college basketball this year. One of the best guards. Um, I don't. I can't recall if he won the Bob Cousy Award for best point guard, but regardless, a very, very good player last year, Illinois. Um, just kind of give us a synopsis of his game and what, what about him, you know, intrigues you from Sixers POV. Um, to be completely honest, I don't love him for the Sixers, just especially if they have Simmons, um, just because like his game is a more of like a slashing combo ish guard. Um, who's a, who's a big transition guy and his, uh, probably one of his bigger swing skills is his jumper and, uh, with his with uh, Simmons being on the team, obviously uh, the need for the the, the need for non shooters uh, is very very small, and I don't think Desumo is crazy good at any of the other skills where you really need him. Um, but I think with Simmons without Simmons is kind of where the where the possible where it makes more sense to take him if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, what you know kind of just from the sounds of it and based on what I've seen, because again, Io is a, a guy who's kind of been in the spotlight in, in college basketball in the draft circuit for a couple of years now. So I have a decent feel for his game, but um, what does he do well in terms of kind of getting downhill and how do you feel about that projection um, You know, from an NBA level? And then you can also tie that to the jumper. Cause as you mentioned, um, pretty up and down, you know, shot 35% as a freshman from three uh, down to about 20, almost about 30% as a sophomore and then up to 39% on the lowest three point rate of his, of his career um, across three years. So what do you kind of make of his, how does he get downhill? What does he do well? How confident do you feel he can still generate paint touches in the NBA? And, and how does that tie back to the development of the jumper as you mentioned? Yeah. So he gets downhill relying on his physical tools. I, w- I want to say he's six, five, um, and I think six ten wingspan. Um, he's got a pretty he's got pretty good burst, uh, better in the transition than half court, but it, it's still good in the in the half court. And he, I'd say, he's pretty flexible and uh, like he kind of slinks around the defense uh, pretty well, and then can use that to kind of get around the rim and kind of use a little bit of craft uh, to be. I think is the best way of putting it. And then uh, 
get to the rim and then he has the physical like i mentioned he has the physical tools and has a good good enough vertical for his uh for his size and his frame is uh his game to be able to convert um needs to work a little bit on getting stronger but yeah that's that's kind of how he's going to get to the rim yeah i think i think what's interesting is the way i've always kind of viewed shooting development is there are there are such levels to it in terms of kind of what what is meaningful and i think the guys who are better getting downhill um you know ben simmons De'Aaron foxes io like you have to reach an even higher threshold of shooting to really force teams to close out because otherwise they're gonna be like well he's still gonna get to the the place he wants to get which is the paint so we we might as well still you know do a soft close out and dare him to shoot if he is a 35 37 percent guy um obviously ben simmons is not that um darren fox was at 37 percent, i think his second year but has been up and down other than that um, the point being is if you're a very good slasher and you're better in the paint teams price it in and, and realize that because defenses at their core they want to take away what you prefer and if you prefer and you're good at getting the paint it means you have to be an even better shooter to really you know allow teams to uh, let teams allow you force teams to allow you to get into the paint with the threat of your jumper so mm-hmm. um what have you seen from this jumper? Because, like I said, it's been up and down every year. There's never really been a stability. 35, 30, 39. What do you kind of make of that and kind of his, his ability to maybe play an off-ball role? Because I think, you know, he had his best year at Illinois, but he was he was kind of the leader of that offense and making things happen. So um, how do you kind of feel about all that? that kind so of- I will say, I, I thought he cleaned up the upper body uh, release a little bit over the past couple years compared to this year. It's a little bit uh, smoother than previous years. But um, it's still a pretty slow shot, and I don't like the lower body consistency. Um, and he seems much better off the off the dribble, uh, specifically. I, I want to say going to his um, uh, going off his right hand. And uh, the issue is that he's going to be he's going to probably be having more catch and shoot off, or off ball opportunities than off the dribble. Um, so that's, that's kind of what worries about, uh, worries me about the jumpers. Cause he, it's been what, three years. And I understand that players still have, um, room to grow. Uh, when you get to the NBA, there could be outlier, like some level of outlier development, but if it's three years and he's still having these concerns and isn't terribly versatile, especially off the ball. Um, I have trouble seeing in what direction it's going to improve for the, uh, not only for the Sixers, but at a, at a requisite level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. And again, I, I have a little better feel for Io than a guy like Josh Primo say in terms of what he's like as a prospect. And I, I definitely agree with with that. Um, shifting kind of a little bit away from the shooting itself, but how do you feel? You know, because even if he is best as an on ball guy, like when you go to a team with an established centerpiece like Joel Embiid and another very good complementary scorer in Tobias Harris, you're going to have a lot of off ball and off ball reps, and you're going to have to make fairly concise or quick decisions so what do you make of his processing speed and his decision making in general um in terms of kind of slotting into that smaller role and just you know playing off of you know those two guys maybe even Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench um who I think is you know assuming he's still on the team I mean I, I, this is not sourced at all but you know there's just a chance you know they, they like that but anyhow that's getting that's missing the plot but what do you kind of just make of his processing speed and decision making maybe a smaller role that demands that his touches be be quick and you know impactful so I will say he is. I think he's much better in this aspect in transition than the half court. Um, transition is probably his biggest strength. He's able to use those physical tools and use his quickness to get downhill. And you know, defense like when the defense isn't set, they're more likely to collapse against uh, aggressive rim pressure. And he can he can kind of he's a little bit more natural playing off of that. 
But in the half court, I will say he's 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 more than fine at his first reads. Um, in PD's massive marathon, um, I don't even remember what day it was. It was Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was in the shift with another friend, Evan Zausha, and he kind of talked about this with uh, Io. He was despite him being like one of the, like quote unquote, one of the best players in college, uh, college basketball, he wasn't a very ball dominant guard. He kind of shared the ball a lot, whether it be with Adam Miller, Trent Frazier, um, Andre Cabrello. Um, So he's, he, he does have some uh, experience playing alongside uh, multiple different options. Um, But getting back to the playmaking, sorry. Uh, He's good. He's fine with his first read, um, his primary reads. And if they're easy, uh, but I actually, and again, this is a, this is a point that Evan made, like it, it's hard to tell like whether that was because his primary like reads were sometimes to Kofi Coburn, which is who was one of, if not the most physically dominating prospect in, in the big, big 10, big 10. Yeah. Um, which in, in all honesty, like Joel Embiid is also one of the most physically demanding, uh, players in the NBA. So maybe, maybe they're, maybe that translation eases a little bit better with Philly, but, but my point is I've been rambling a little bit, but he's fine at his, uh, at the primary reads. He's not the quickest in terms of processing, but he's passable. Um, it's just the advance. He, he hasn't really shown an ability or consistency to have advanced reads. He's more of a, a quick, uh, not, not a quick decision guy, a, uh, a one track decision. Uh, maker, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And by no means, do not worry about rambling. Anyone who listens to this, when I stream it or when I put it as a podcast episode, is used to me rambling. Uh, and if they keep coming back, that means they're okay with it. So as long as the, the contributions are insightful, which they are from you, there is no need to apologize. People should be used to it um, on this podcast. But uh, yeah, I think I think that all makes sense. And that is a good point that you know Illinois. Part of the reason Illinois was good is because they had multiple creators last year. Obviously. Did not end as well as it would have liked, but you know they're still a number one seed for most of the year, and or they were number one seed, and they are a very good team for much of the season. So um, defensively, though, unless anything you want to add about the offense, um, defensively, optimal role, strength, weaknesses. What's what's the way to make sure you get the most out of a guy like Io on that end? Uh, I think you got to put him at the point of attack. Um, he's a first of all, he's a he's a havoc creator on defense. He's six, five and slinky. And like I mentioned earlier, got a good wingspan is pretty good at screen navigation. Um, so you, I think the hope is that you can put him on, on NBA primaries, the, the, the star guards of the world. And he, he has, uh, obviously there's going to be some quickness disparity because there is a size difference between him and most of the star guards, but he can make that up using, uh, the screen navigation, his ability to use his length and his and and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't think he's great off the ball, um, and he has the he has a propensity to kind of over uh, kind of gamble a little bit too much. But I think if he's going to be on ball so much, I don't think that the off ball concerns are and, and not only that he's going to be on ball so much if he's on ball and doing well i don't think the off ball concerns weighs heavily yeah yeah for sure i i i am i think it's it's interesting because you know uh like i don't know and you can i mean you you 
just the way both that you a caveat you gave at the beginning and just the way you've described it as a prospect, it doesn't seem like there's a great fit for the Sixers. Like they have the on ball guys, they have Matisse, they have Ben Simmons currently. Um, Tyrese Maxey, I think, has been a pretty good was a pretty good on ball defender, especially for a rookie. Um, and so if he's a guy that's better on, like I think what they need is kind of those guys can maybe chase some of the the off ball dynamos around. They just don't quite. I mean, they have Matisse, but. Um, Matisse became such a good on-ball defender this year that sometimes it can feel like a bit of a, a poor allocation or maximization of his talents there. Um, but, I mean, is, is that a fair assessment? They just maybe he's, he's a good prospect in this range, but maybe just doesn't quite fit what the Sixers would be looking for at this pick? Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit lower on him. Like, I think he's a, he's a little bit lower than this range, but it, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, kill anyone or say they're mm-hmm. wrong. Uh for thinking that he belongs in this range. But yeah, for the Sixers specifically, like you like you kind of touched on, like it seems like they do have uh, point of attack options that are most likely going to be better than DeSumo. And if you have him off ball, um, he's not going to provide that type of impact that, you, that you're looking for, uh, specifically for uh, when there are better options on the board who can kind of, who can, who can provide the skills that he, he doesn't. Cool. And ones so, that are, yeah. yo, sorry, and the ones that are no, just, no, you know, more more pressing to the Sixers' needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think because of that, like, I mean, um, we can probably shift gears. I feel like we went pretty in depth on him, um, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor a guy that just probably doesn't quite make sense at twenty eight. Um, and who, but who knows? I mean, this this entire podcast series might not be that worthwhile if the Sixers trade the pick in in three hours. Um, which, based on some reports from people around the team, it seems like that could be the case. Um, notably, Tom Moore and Kyle Newbeck to give some names to the people reporting that. Anyhow, let's shift to uh, another kind of ball handler type guy, in Rokas Jokobitis, um, a guy who's kind of been on the draft radar for a couple of years now. Um, but just a rundown of his game, why you think he might, you know, I think, and you prefaced when we were discussing that he might be a guy that they they keep overseas for a season and then. For a little bit and then bring over is, is that correct yeah that was just that's just my guess i don't have mm-hmm. i don't have any intel but you know yeah. you uh, there he's he's a bit older so maybe they do bring him on but um there is a there is a uh, history of international guys getting more of a preference to stash and and, mm-hmm. and of course as a, as i'm sure you're well aware of yeah and sometimes sometimes they just like i mean like there's there's a lot of appeal to playing overseas or in europe or wherever you are um, then maybe coming to the NBA, see that happens sometimes. But anyhow, um, rundown of Rokas's game, what you like about him, what kind of you think makes sense for. I mean, if they're gonna they're gonna keep him overseas, maybe it's like a, tough to know exactly what the Sixers roster looks like by the time he's here. But um, just a rundown of his game and what you think you know intrigues you from a Sixers perspective for him. Yeah, so he's a six four uh, combo guard. I like to call those type of players low usage scorers, but the general idea is combo guard. Um, mm-hmm. He's got uh, a good for a good baseline for a frame he's got a and he seems to be going to be able to grow into a fairly strong player and uh he's a he's a good pull-up shooter and a pretty shifty guy in 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 the middle of the court in terms of like the mid-range and getting to his spots and everything like that and uh showed some real flashes as a passer and the hope is that he can kind of improve a time he's he's a fine athlete but i'm not gonna act like he's he's world class or anything but the idea is that he kind of uh becomes more consistent as a and more uh, versatile as a shooter uh kind of, can kind of uh get more of the passing uh also consistent and then work on the work on the burst a little bit and the add on to the frame so he can get uh get to a good level in terms of finishing at the rim i i i, I will say i just made that sound like he's not good at anything uh, he's he he has a, a ways to improve in all those things 
but that's not the case. He's a very good shooter. I will say he's very shifty and gets to his spots well, and he has good physical traits. Yeah. Um, so would you say that kind of that shiftiness is that is that another phrase for like the change of pace and that's the best way he creates advantages, you know, as a ball handler and breaking down the defense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he, okay. yeah, I think he he not only has a good handle, but I think he has good uh, he has really good coordination and controls his body well and changes pace and all that kind of stuff. So I think the, those two kind of things in tandem allow him to maybe get to his spots and maybe space create. Whether it be like a, I think he has a pretty good step back um, or a pretty fluid step back, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... And you mentioned kind of some of the passing flashes, I believe I heard you correctly. What, what, you know, what does he do well as a passer? Where does he need to improve? Like what sort of reads and kind of places on the court is he best, you know, delivering the ball to uh, accurately and effectively? Uh, so I'd say it's, I think his two areas of the game, I, I think most of the areas of the game that he's working on his passing will be in the pick and roll. Um, and, working in the pick and roll and then attacking off of closeouts, right? And I think in in junior levels and FIBA levels, whatever those tournaments you want to call them, he was – I thought he was actually pretty good in, in the pick and roll. Um, and then I thought in uh, Zalgir, his, uh, his current professional team, I thought he was – he was more uh, passing off of closeouts and stuff like that. So it was just may- maybe marrying those two skills together and, and you know, just making it consistent because he has the ability to hit the – hit the roll guy, hits shooters. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not a proactive, it's more reactive, but I would say as far as reactive passers go, he's, he's pretty good and well-rounded. It's just making them consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that makes sense. Um, is there anything you want to add about the, the offense before we kind of shift to, to the defense for him and what the, what the best role for him is in the, the area to improve there? Yeah, so I think the I mentioned he's a pretty good pull-up shooter and uh, I also, and he's also a pretty good uh spot up shooter uh i think i want to say he was uh mid 30s uh over the past two seasons uh let me see i pulled it oh yes uh via id prospects he shot 37.6 percent from three-point range on 181 attempts since the start of the 2019-20 season um and so he has a little bit of a slower release but it's it, it works for him uh i think it'll just be I think it'll be curious to figure out if he can add some movement shooting to him. Uh, I, th- I don't think it's massively necessary to his game, but obviously adding that skill could make him even more of a dynamic threat. And, you know, as Sixers fans are well aware of, Joel loves having those movement shooters around him and playing off of him. So that could really just add another dimension to his game and make the make a potential two-man pairing with him and Joel uh, even more uh, even more dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I do want to say, if you're looking for uh, information or intel or just I would say information about uh, international prospects, id-prospects.com is the best place you can get that stuff. People, the people there do a ton of great work and have been doing stuff in the international realm for years now, um, so cannot stress enough. If the Sixers end up taking Rokas some pick and you want to know more about him, check out id-prospects.com um, for, for all that stuff. But anyhow, you mentioned to me the ability to shoot off him. Do, like, do you think that's a... a realistic development for him or do you think it's maybe more like it would be great if he could but i'm a little more skeptical of that coming for him um i would say i am a little bit more um skeptical 
because like he does have a slow I'm not going to say it's slow but it's a slower release and his shooting is already I I would say pretty good to the point where I don't know if I would want to change it but the thing is uh but he does have some hip like hip flexibility and all that kind of stuff where he can uh like uh, we will get to it on defense he can chase guys around and show some showed some flexibility in that aspect so I wonder if that could be translated um into the off, uh, movement shooting it's just whether that release will be quick enough yeah, no, uh, I mean, yeah, it's reasonable for sure. Do you tell me, Dad? Yeah, sorry. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm fairly certain he could do some basic stuff off of it, but it's just like, oh, can we make him like, like obviously we're not expecting, it. Uh, no one's expecting him to be like Seth Curry or anyone like that, but like let, let's see how high the level he can get to and not make it just not like, oh, he can he can hit some flares or come off some basic curls once in a while and stuff like that, but make just trying to figure out like how what, what to what kind of level he can get to. Because obviously, like you want to expand and uh, explore the amount of the the, uh, the the ceilings and the floors of guys in, in certain skills. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think that's a great point about the flexibility and the release speed. I mean, flexibility is just the, just the the ability to square your body at a moment's notice and shoot from funky angles and be able to get that shot off quickly. Uh, I mean, just JD Redick is a, is kind of the, the guy for that in the six during the Sixers Jalen Beat era. Um, you know, had his struggles, of course, but just incredible shooting from weird angles and getting the ball, getting the ball out of his hands, you know, at a moment's notice. Um, but yeah, and so I think that those are all really important things when you're trying to assess a player's future viability as a movement shooter. Um, let's shift to the defense. What does he do well? Room for improvement, and what's the best way to kind of maximize him on that end? Um, so I will say he seemed like he was fairly good at the point of attack with uh, Zalgiris, but. I don't think that'll be his role in the NBA. Um, I don't think he's a good enough athlete or uh, has enough. Uh, yeah, he's a good enough athlete where he can consistently defend point of attacks. But I think he, what you have him doing is off ball on like a off guard or something like that, whether that be chasing some, chasing a shooter or just, you know, uh, defending spot up guys, or maybe even some like low usage scores, uh, depending on what, what their, if their game is more strength based or quick based. I think, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be better versus um, – I think he has a good good frame and uh, will be fine kind of bumping with people and uh, hold, using his strength well. So I think maybe those like – not I'm not going to act like, like crazy strong, but str- like more – a little bit more strength-based off guards um, that can – and or, or other off-ball shooters uh, is, is kind of going to be the, uh, the way he goes on the ball and then off the ball. He, it, it's a lot of – I think he needs to work uh, on his, you know, as always, positioning technique, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think he's going to be crazy bad or crazy good, but I think he can, he'll be totally passable in that, in the off ball aspect. He was, um, he showed decent instincts and had a decent, uh, had a, had a fine understanding of positioning and rotations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think if you point out that he's someone who maybe could, could be, could be well served, you know, some of those off-ball guys and whatnot. That's that's a skill the Sixers need because, as I mentioned, they've kind of got their right, right now. It's currently constructed. They've got their two on-ball stoppers and, and Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul. And while Matisse can be good off the ball, again, you have a little bit of diminishing returns there. Um, Danny Green is a guy who's best at kind of you know stunting at the nail, being a helper on the wings. Um, you, the Sixers fans are well aware of his struggles trying to chase good off-ball scorers like Dan, Doug Robinson, uh, Dan, uh, Bradley Beal, Joe Harris. Um, so I think if, that, if that's sort of op- not an optimal, but one of the ways that he can be best used, that's, that's a very useful um, you know, skill or just a general skill set for the Sixers defensively. Um, 
anything you want to add about Rokas before we kind of wrap up and summarize kind of these four guys uh, before the show concludes? Um, not really. I, I just want to point out uh, he isn't um, – he isn't crazy, crazy. I think I might have said this, but in case I didn't, he isn't crazy young like some some international prospects. Uh, Jackson talked about Poku, who was uh, eighteen when he got drafted. I think eighteen when he got drafted. He's almost twenty one, going to turn twenty one in November. Um, so it's just something to to understand about his development and stuff like that. He's a little bit more of a complete prospect than than some people might uh, think of most internationals as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Poku stuff always cracked me up because it's not like he got drafted in June. It was still still 18. Uh, we had that that mid-fall or late-fall draft. Uh, and he, he, he played an NBA game on his 19th birthday. On That was his first NBA game on December 26th. So uh, yeah. anyhow, I, I am curious. I'd, I, I'd be wondering – I'm uh, sure I am curious about 12 times on this podcast today um, or this episode. But um, – if you had to rank these four guys kind of in terms of what you would prioritize at 28th overall for the Sixers, how would you go about that? Or what would that order look like? I guess is the better way to put it. So I think it's uh, important to understand two things. Like what do I have them personally overall first? And then how does that translate to the Sixers? So just first I have uh, Christopher ranked first, um, Primo, Rokas, and then Io. Um, and for the Sixers, I would – honestly probably have similar rankings except i i might uh switch rokas instead of primo just because um due to the sixers competitive window i think um if you're if you're drafting someone with that far of uh who's 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 that raw is primo um i think it it makes a little bit and especially considering the the Sixers do need kind of need a uh, some shot creation I think you kind of need the the kind of readiness that Rokas and, and Christopher have more than Primo yeah and I I do I do want to follow up with you know this is kind of the, the final pre-draft one uh, and so you unfortunately have a very limited supply of, of guys to pick from um, would any of these guys that we've discussed kind of be in your top five to ten targets for the Sixers at, at 28, or, or are they maybe a little lower down? Let's just get a general sense of what we've talked um, about. A bunch of different guys um, throughout this series. Yeah, I would I would say five to ten, yeah, for sure. Sp- specifically, uh, Rokas and uh, Christopher, I think. other. I mean, I'm sure you've gone over this, but if Jaden Springer was ever to uh, fall there, I'm, I, would, I would have – I would be – enthralled for the Sixers fans to have him pick up Jared Butler, same if he falls, um, Trey Mann, if he falls, um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, those are, so I think Camp Thomas, Quentin Grimes, Austin Reeves are, are other guys. So it's a, it's a lot of combo guards who has them on it, both on and off ball equity. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I just mentioned what five, six names. So I would <laughs> definitely say Christopher, Christopher Rokas and, uh, Christopher and Rokas definitely fall in, in that five to 10 range. Primo, yeah. I would say Primo's more on the maybe outside of the tent, but I, I wouldn't. I I could see a world in which uh, in which he fits. Yeah, and yeah, I think we I think I covered all those guys except for Grimes and Springer. No one no one chose Springer. I was a little surprised. Maybe they're that confident Springer going a little little higher than, than twenty nine. But we yeah, talked about I, Man. We talked about Reeves at I mean the fiftieth pick. So um, yeah, but. Um, you know, if there's anything, anything else you want to add about any of these guys, obviously do so. Otherwise, you know, anything you want to plug, where can people find you? Where can they read your work? 
Um, you know, the floor is yours to, to give yourself a little shout out here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Jackson, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, for, if for some reason you are listening to this and do not follow Jackson, uh, do so. Um, I specifically loved his piece co-written with Nikias uh, yesterday on Basketball News with uh, regarding Pascal Siakam and a, ba- a breakdown of his game. Thought it was really insightful. So go check that out among the various other places and pieces that Jackson writes for. Um, but just quick on me, follow me on Twitter at Anish Nambur if you want. Not too much public analysis, but I like to think I'm semi-entertaining. Um, <laughs> And then you can find my work on Pro Insight. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in terms of PI polls, which is kind of question and answers with uh, uh, with different high school and even some college prospects. We have some event recaps of different uh, AAU events around the country, and we have a, we have a bunch of really really good stuff that I would recommend uh, recommend that you check out. And then also, I am at the tail end of my Blueprint series, which is basically my intersection of team building, roster construction, and data science. Um, I think it's really interesting and provide, I'm not going to say it's correct, obviously, but I think it's really insightful and provides a different viewpoint of the way the modern game of basketball is going. So check that out if you are interested. Yeah, absolutely. One, I appreciate the, the kind words about me. You somehow somehow took an opportunity to, to plug your own work into to sharing some of my stuff. So I appreciate that. Um, but yes, absolutely check out the stuff that we did at Pro Insight. Obviously, for anyone listening to this podcast, I should. I assume you probably listened to the initial one of this series with, with Henry Ward. Um, ProInsight's doing a lot of cool stuff. We're, we're very lucky that we're getting, you know, I think draft coverage is getting a lot more nuanced and insightful, and, and ProInsight is part of that. Um, the one downside is it seems like everyone who helps improve the discussion around the mainstream draft coverage ends up getting swiped by a team. Um, so read all the stuff that Anish and Henry are doing at ProInsight while you can. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you coming on for everyone listening. Yeah, there was a stream or a podcast episode after the fact. I appreciate your listens as well. Um, this we'll do, I'll do a draft recap and then we'll shift into free agency stuff, but, um, we'll be back tomorrow to do a draft thing. Um, someone else. So, uh, it's draft season until, until tomorrow's podcast ends in probably 24 hours. But, uh, once again, Nish, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everyone for listening. Hope this was insightful. Um, we touched on 24 different prospects, I believe over the past week and a half or two weeks. So, um, if the Sixers do stay put at 28 or at 50 or 53 now um, after their trade with the Pelicans this morning, um, hopefully some of these guys are uh, are, the, are the guys they take. So this is not all for, for nothing. But uh, really enjoyed you have, having you on, Anish, and all your insights. And uh, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, I continue to always bungle the end of these uh, podcast conclusions. But uh, that's enough out of me. I'll be back uh, tomorrow. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I will talk to all of you again soon.